Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Who's ready to be encouraged by the Holy Spirit this morning? Everybody watching online in the house. Let's get to business. Let's get to work. Can you stand with me as we read the word of the Lord? And like I said, if you do not have a syllabus, um, we created these syllabus just for you guys. They're for free. You can raise your hand. Um, If you don't have one, the ushers will bring one uh, to you. We're reading from um, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. A um, little context about the scripture is that this is at the end of Moses' life. This is, um, uh, he, he's, he's really doing his last motivational speech to the people of Israel. And he's gathered all of them around him right before they're about to enter the promised land. Uh, the promised land that he himself would pass away before they entered. And this is his last uh, speech to them. Verse 19. It says, today I have given you the choice. Everybody say choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice. Everybody say choice. Choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice. One last time, church, say choice. It's our choice. By loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. Well. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The title for this morning's message, the thought for this morning's message is, is turn to your neighbor and say, everyone has a choice. Everyone has a choice. The choice is ours. Uh, let's pray this morning. Pray with me, church fam. Let's begin to pray over the service. Father, we welcome in your Holy Spirit. God, let your will be done. God, begin to interfere in our lives. God, begin to interfere with this service. God, begin to, to open up hearts and soften minds, God, because we're not here, Father, to be impressed by the word, but be empowered by your spirit. So, Father, we thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders taking place. God, we thank you for the lost being saved. We thank you for the broken being mended, the, the hurt being healed, Father. We don't want to leave this place as the same person who walked in, God. We don't want to leave this house with the same depression, anxiety, and worry. But God, let us leave this house encouraged by your son, knowing that we have an identity in his name. So, Father, have your way. Let your will be done. And let your son get all the glory. We love you, Jesus. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise. And you may be seated, church family. Y'all can be seated. Uh, It was my sophomore year of high school. And during my sophomore year, uh, church family, um, some of y'all knew me, so y'all know, it was before Jesus, okay? It's my sophomore year of high school because, you know, I I grew up in church, but if there's anybody who knows, there's a difference between um, being aware of Jesus but, and then having a relationship with him. Like, there's a difference between doing that. There's a difference between knowing he exists to knowing who he is in your life. And so this is before, really, Jesus grabbed a hold of my heart. Um, and it's the sophomore year of high school. It, it was um, after a, a, a school dance. And everybody knows after school dances, everybody goes and parties, right? Um, don't raise your hand. Don't give yourself away. Um, and so it's after this. And so people are inviting me to parties that I know is not good for me that I know, you know, will offer temptations and, and things that aren't, you know, um, how I was raised, but who knows, it was before Jesus, everybody, and so I said, you know what, I'm going to do it, I'm going to go to this party, and because uh, I'm in high school, and I'm supposed to make dumb decisions, right, when you're in high school, and so 
um, I followed after uh, this girl in her vehicle to, to this party that I was invited to. And so I'm following um, this vehicle, um, and I kid you not, church, as I'm following this vehicle, the same exact make and model of that vehicle pulls up right next to it. And I'm following this vehicle, and I'm confused because I didn't really see. I looked up. I'm t- I, was, I was driving. I'm not, I'm not making this up. I looked up, and all of a sudden there was two cars of the same make and model. I didn't know which one to follow. So one of the cars um, had a cross on the back. Now, this girl who I was following, she went to church. Not this church, okay, but she went to a church. And so I said, you know what? It's probably the one with the cross on it because, you know, she goes to church. So I followed the vehicle with the cross on it. And looking back, I know that God put the cross on that car or something because <laughs> I followed after this car, and I'm following down this neighborhood, and it's, it's more of like a, like a quiet neighborhood. I'm like, oh, this is a weird place to have a party. And, and I pull up to, this, to the, the house that they go, and there's not a lot of cars there. And all of a sudden, I see an old lady step out of that car. And I realize that I made the wrong choice. But looking back at it, I know that that wasn't um, the wrong choice in the future. That was really God's protection. He was protecting me. Uh, Can I just say this real quickly? If you aren't praying yourself, but if you have a praying mom and dad, that even when you're not close to God, God's still trying to chase after you, protect you because of the prayers of your family. So let me encourage parents in the house. Never stop praying for your children. Never stop. Even if they're so far away from God, you don't know what your prayers are doing. Let me just say that. There could be protection. There could be some anointing. This because you are praying over them. And so I had that choice to make, and I remember thinking I made the wrong choice. And later that night, I just said, you know what? I'm just going to pick up Whataburger and go home. And that's what I did. And I got home eating Whataburger thinking, man, I messed up. And now I realize that was just God's protection. But see, our lives are all boiled down to the choices we make. Um, every day we make thousands of choices. It actually says in, in studies that, that the average adult makes 35,000 choices a day, stretching from whether or not you're going to have cereal or eggs for breakfast or whether or not you're going to follow this diet or what you're going to wear, um, t- what you wore today, like all those decisions, stretching to whether or not you're going to choose to be honest to your coworker or honest to your boss, or whether or not you're going to choose to read your Bible today or whether or not you're going to choose to come to church. Um, I'm thankful that y'all chose to come to church, by the way. Our choices are made up of our, that's what makes up our life is the choices we make. When our lives come down to it. We are a product of our choices. We're not a product of our environment. We're not a product of, of, of the things around us. We're the product of the choices we decide to make. And so where we picked up in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30 is that these 12 tribes of Israel, they're making a choice of whether or not to follow after God. Now, you see, their choice to follow after God was totally different from the choice that you and I have. See, their choice was about whether or not to follow after God in a religious, um, ritual way. Their choice to follow after God was that I'm going to follow these Ten Commandments that was given to us by Moses. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I raise up a, a spotless lamb to, to, to sacrifice for my sins. And see, they, their, their decision wasn't really about a choice of a relationship with God because really the only one person um, could experience God's presence, and that was the high priest, and that only happened once a year. So when they had a choice to make, it looked nothing like the choice that you and I 
are making today. You see, the choice that they made was one of choosing a, a religious and ritualistic um, way, but the choice that we have is one of relationship and righteousness. Isn't that awesome? Because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, we have a choice to have a relationship with him. See, they didn't have that choice. Even if they wanted to be righteous in the eyes of God, they, didn't, they couldn't even choose that. They, they couldn't choose uh, uh, to have a relationship with God. Um, let me explain. In Romans chapter 3, verse 21, uh, it says this. It says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right. Turn to your neighbor said, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Who's thankful for what Jesus did on the cross for us? Because, see, now we have a choice. See, the Israelites, they didn't have a choice of relationship and righteousness in the eyes of God. Their choice was one of religious, ritualistic ways and of making sacrifices. It wasn't one of relationship. They didn't have that choice. Our choice is, is one that the Israelites could only dream of having. What? Having a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth? They, see, it was, it was a choice that they, that they had. And so, but their choices were limited by religion because of sin, but our choice is now freed from the clutches of sin because of Jesus Christ. Who's thankful for that? <laughs> See, we have a choice, but having a choice begs the question, when I was preparing for this, having a choice begs the question of why do we have a choice? Okay, we have a choice, God, but why do we even have uh, a, a choice like God if you know everything and if you know how everything should be why don't you just do it yourself like wouldn't life be a whole lot easier if you didn't have to make any decisions like God has made every decision for you you didn't have to spend time with them you didn't have to pray pray you didn't have to do that for anything like God has made everything perfect in your life and you had no choices at all like it says in, in uh, first Peter chapter 3 that God desires every person to come to repentance that's his desire. So, God, if you desire it, why don't you snap your fingers and make it that way? Have you ever had that thought? Why do we have to choose it? Why do we have a choice? You see, when God created us, when God created man, he created us to have a relationship with him. If you didn't know your purpose or why you were created, can I tell you what your purpose is? Everybody, we all have the same purpose. That's to have a relationship with God. That's why we're created. That is our creative purpose. Like when we were created... Our creative purpose was to have a relationship with God. Like, this table's creative purpose is to withhold and the weight of the objects you place upon it, right? That is why this table was created. Now, I could pick up this table and use it as a sword, but that would be outside of its creative purpose, right? Its creative purpose is still a table. The same way you, you and I, the same way humanity, we have stepped outside of our creative purpose. We have forgotten why we were created. We have been so caught up with everything that the world has to offer, that we forgot about our creative purpose. But can I say, just because you have forgotten about it, doesn't mean your purpose has faded away. That we still have a purpose and calling on our life. And that the same way we chose not to follow, we can't choose to follow and to say, God, I want a relationship with you. And just like that, we're aligned with our purpose. We all have the same creative purpose of having a relationship 
with God. And so when God created Adam and Eve, he created them, right, to have a relationship with them. But he wanted them to have a choice. Everybody say choice. He wanted them to have a choice. So that's why he said you can have this whole garden. Just don't eat from the tree, the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. He wanted them to have a choice. You see, God didn't create us to be robots. You, you can't have a relationship with a robot. You know, if you program Siri to say something, it's not because he wants a relationship with you. It's just because he's a robot. God didn't want us to be robots. He wanted us to have a relationship with him. He wanted us to choose him. And so I can imagine Adam and Eve walking around the garden. It says that they walked with God in the coolness of the day, walking with God and, and seeing the tree in the middle, but choosing not to partake of it because they're choosing God and choosing not to eat from the fruit because they love God. But we know the story. Eventually, the Bible doesn't say how long they were in the garden. Eventually, uh, Adam and Eve um, failed and they gave into the temptation of the devil, partaking of the fruit, and that's what led in sin into this world. But in the same way, just because sin came in, it doesn't mean we lost our creative purpose. God is still searching for a relationship with us. And when they made, when sin entered the world, it didn't ruin it. It distrained it a little bit. And that is why God sent the law. That is why God sent uh, the temple. That is why God created all these rules and, and, and regulations. He did that because that strenuous relationship was holding on by a thread. But then he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And now you and I, because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, he bridged the gap of sin. He took on the weight that you and I should have carried on his back. And he went down to hell, took the keys back, and rose again on the third day. And he, all that happened just so you and I could have a choice to follow Jesus. God did all of that just so that we could choose. God has all the authority you can think of, but yet he still gives us a choice. God can move heaven and earth, yet he still gives us the free will to choose him. And when God, a lot of us are thinking, well, God, see, even before all of this, when he created heaven and earth, he still had us on his mind. And even before God chose us, or we chose God, God chose us way before. If you go to Ephesians chapter 1. It says this, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. Everybody say chose. In Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us. <laughs> even before you were a good kid, God said, you're mine. He said, I, in, in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So why should we choose God? Point one for this morning is because God chose us first. You know, God chose you even before you, you chose to read your Bible. God still chose you. Like God chose you when you're still in thick of it in the sin and in that life and in the world. God was still saying, hey, I choose you and I want you. God, it's, it, it says in Romans that, that Jesus died on the cross while we were still sinners. He didn't say, I'm not going to, I'm going to wait until you're perfect. So no, while you're still caught up in your sin, I'm still going to go to the cross for you. First Peter says that, we love God because he loved us first. So if you don't know this, you are loved by God. You are desired by God. God is chasing after you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. And as much as you and I want to have a relationship with God, God wants to have a relationship with you so much more. God desires us. 
Does that mean God needs us? No. Even better, God desires you. God desires a relationship with us. The creator of heaven and earth wants to spend time with us. That's why we were created, so that we could have a relationship with him. Now, look, what, what, what are the benefits of, uh, or the consequences of, of having a relationship with God? I know you might be saying in this house right now, if there's any seasoned saints in the, in the house saying, hey, Caleb, this is kind of a basic message. Let us never overlook the fact of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Never let us ever get past the blood of Jesus or the goodness of God or saying, hey, if it wasn't for the blood, let us remember where we were before Jesus. So put yourself back in that time and think, what are the benefits of me now choosing Jesus. See, when you choose Jesus and choose to have a relationship with him and accept him in your heart, now all of a sudden you have a purpose that's unbreakable. Now you have a joy into your heart that's unshakable. Now you have a confidence that doesn't come from the world, but comes from the identity found in the word. And now all of a sudden, this because you chose Jesus, even though God has nothing to gain because of it, we have everything to gain when we get a relationship with Jesus. We get direction. We find our purpose. We, we begin to, to, to find things about ourselves. We begin to align our passions. But it gets even better. In Ephesians 2.19, it says this. So now you Gentiles. Everybody say, that's you and me. That's you and me. Are no longer strangers and foreigners. But we are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're family whether you like it or not. <laughs> You're stuck with me. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. So when we choose Jesus, not only do we get our sins removed, not only are we in right standing with God, not only do we receive the richness of God and the kingdom of heaven, but now we have a family. See, there's a lot of people in this place who are saying, I got a messed up family. But when you choose Jesus... Because you can, right, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. But can I say something? You can choose your family when you choose Jesus. Because now you're reborn into a new family. And now you got brothers and sisters in Christ and a father in heaven. I mean, who's thankful that we don't have to live this life alone anymore? Because now we have a family. Now we have a community. Now we have people around us pushing us towards Jesus. Those, there's so many benefits. I could go on and on and on and on talking about the benefits of choosing Jesus. But it's always, it's always, and this is point number two, choosing Jesus will always be the best decision. Choosing Jesus is always the best decision. I, I, I don't care what dilemma you're finding yourself in this morning. Jesus is the right decision. I, I, I don't know the problems in the house. I, I, I don't know what's going on in your lives, but I, can I tell you something? Jesus has the answer to everything. That Jesus will give you peace in the middle of all this panic that's happening right now. Jesus will begin clarity to your life when there's so much confusion in the world right now. If whatever you're going with, Jesus is the best decision that you can make. It says in Proverbs 3 that if we submit all of ourselves to God, that he will make our past clear. If there's anybody who's confused in this house, just give your all to God. And if you do that, he's going to show you direction. He's going to give you purpose. He's going to show you what to do tomorrow. He's going to give you confidence about tomorrow. You can't be confident about tomorrow if you're unsure about it. But when God tells you you have a purpose on your life, you can step out of your home. You can go to your job knowing, no, I'm not going somewhere. I'm going to somewhere God's called me to go. I got a purpose on my life. 
See, there's so many benefits. I could go on and on and on. There's so many benefits. There, there's so many. I could spend eternity talking about the goodness of God. There's so many benefits about choosing Jesus. If, there's, if, this, if that's all that is true, then why do people still choose to reject him? If there's all these benefits, if there's all these uh, things that we can gain because we choose Jesus, then why in the world are people not lining up uh, the doors at the church saying, I need some of that? Have you ever asked yourself that? God is so good. And you know God is good in this place. So when you witness this in the house, God is so good. But how can God be so good but people still not want to be a part of it? How can God be so good but people not say, hey, I need some of that peace. I need some of that. How can that happen in this world? I'm reminded of the story of the rich young ruler who approached Jesus. He had every possession that the world said you needed. He, he, he had everything. He had he, he had the power, he, uh, he had the social construct, he had everything that the world said you needed to, have, to be happy and have purpose. And he approached Jesus and he said, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him, uh, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And he, and he told him, and obey his laws. And, and the rich young ruler said, I've done all of those. Uh, I'm good. And then Jesus said, okay, now sell all of your possessions and give them to the poor. And when the rich young ruler heard that, he turned his back in sadness because he had many, Scripture said he had many possessions. You see, what's happened is not that people who haven't experienced the goodness of God, it's not that, it's not that really they're, what, what they're really doing is because they're too attached to what the world has to offer. They haven't fully understand that the kingdom of God is greater than anything a man could possess. That, that what we have on the inside of us is greater than anything that the world has to offer. But the world has been so attached to all those things that they know to choose Jesus, to say yes to him, is to say no to the world. And they compiled so many materialistic things that they choose the trapping of the flesh rather than the truth of the spirit. I mean, has there ever been a time when it comes to evangelism where you know the, the, the person, you know your friend, you know the coworker who needs Jesus, so sometimes you just want to shake them and be like, hey, don't you understand what you could have? Like you're struggling with addiction, you're struggling with depression, you're struggling with anxiety. Hey, there's a man named Jesus who can take all those things away, and you just want to shake them. It can become very frustrating when it comes to evangelism trying to sp spread the, the message of Jesus because you almost want to make the choice for them. But you can't. The same way that you and I made the choice, everybody has to make that choice for themselves. So it can become frustrating because you know that these people are lost and you have the answer. But they have to make that choice themselves. See, this broken world is in need of a Savior. And you and I know how to, to answer. You and I know what they need to do. But the question is of evangelism is how do we bridge that gap? There has been many attempts, some good, some not so good. There's been attempts of, of people going up and basically grabbing their Bible and bopping them upside the head and say, wake up, you know, you need Jesus in your life. And really that this puts bruises on their head and nothing else. And there's people who go out, you know, and I, I love street ministry, but they, they go out, get on a soapbox and have a, have a sign that says, you know, you're all going to hell. You know, and they can, that they'll bring people to Jesus. But can I tell you the greatest form of evangelism is? It's not, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for missionaries. I'm thankful for street ministry. I'm thankful for people who do that. But the greatest form of evangelism isn't the sermons we say or the words that we have. Like, words aren't going to win them. It's the actions that we do. It's a lifestyle that we live. 
The greatest testimony can just be the character of your heart. The greatest evangelism you could ever do could just be going up to somebody and having a smile on your face and saying, I like what you're wearing today. You have a great day. Just that small thing, not even me, but just being kind to somebody, showing the heart of Jesus to somebody, showing them that there is a people, that there is a people who have, a, who have Jesus on the inside of them and that we're not trying to force a choice, but we're just trying to show you the goodness of God, the heart of Jesus. We're trying to show you the kindness, the love. See, people won't be won by fancy words or fancy speeches anymore. People in this time and age are hungry for genuine realness. They're hungry for something authentic. They're hungry for, for people who don't come with agendas. They're hungry for people who don't come with strings attached. They're hungry for somebody who just comes up. And just because of the Jesus that is on the inside of us begins to pour out and we begin to show them the love of God. True True, genuine, realness, love, and kindness, that is what people are searching for. That is what the lost will respond to in this world is just by us going up and showing the kindness of our hearts. See, the best way we could probably preach Jesus is maybe just going to the grocery store. And because we feel led to, we choose to buy somebody's groceries, and we just go up to them and say, you have a blessed day, and Jesus loves you, and just walk away, no strings attached. That could probably be the greatest sermon you could ever preach. Not, not from a platform, but this going out outside of these walls and it's having kindness in your heart, having a genuineness, a realness that only comes from God. That could be the greatest form of evangelism we ever have. It's just going out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. See, we can get caught up in thinking that we have to, have to preach to them and, 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 and speak to them and, and see them say yes to Jesus in the next five minutes. And if they don't, we... Go on to the next person. Say, oh, you're lost forever. Like, do you, do you have those friends or coworkers who are like, I'm not going to waste my time with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're, they're not going to give Jesus the time of day. But you know what they will give time, the time of day? You just going up and being kind to them. You just going up. You just going up and saying, hey, you did a good job at work today. Great job, man. And it's going to be kind and be encouraging. Like, they'll respond to that. And then them to see Jesus on the inside of you will lead them to Jesus. See, it's not our job to see the salvation right away. It's our job to see the salvation, to plant seeds of kindness, to plant seeds of, of this being love without any strings attached and this being encouraging to people. That is how we will see the lost be saved. It's not by us going up to them and yelling at them, but us going up and showing kindness and love and genuine caring uh, uh, of this about the people around us. That is how we will see the salvation. Come on, can you stand with me tonight as I close or this morning? So used to Wednesday nights. See, the only way the church is going to grow is by us portraying Jesus' character. Not by the messages that we try to yell or by the words. The words won't win them, but kindness will. Love will. Going out and being encouraging will. Just going out and saying, hey, how can I help you? Hey, seeing a st your coworker struggling in the corner, going and being encouraging to them, going and out and being the hands and feet of Jesus. I want to close with this thought. It's that we can't choose Jesus for them, but we can portray Jesus to them. We can't make them choose Jesus, but we can show the kindness of Jesus to them. I, I can't make, go up to the person and, and decide for them. That choice is up to them, but I can't wrap my arms around them and say, man, you're doing a great job today, or I like what you have on today, and just show genuine kindness. I can't do that. 
He said, I, I can't go out and control what people decide, but I can't control what I do. I can't control how I treat people. I can't control how I go out and be a, a, a positive person. I can't control that. That's what I can choose. You see, when you follow after Jesus, you want to, the best way to portray him is, it's just to be genuine. It's just to be real. And when we decide just to be kind, you don't know what kind of effect that will have in the future. When you plant a seed of an encouragement word, you don't know what that will have in the, in the future because, see, decisions are like dominoes. You make one decision, and that will affect the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one. So, like, you go up to your coworker, and you just see that he's having and struggling in his work, and you go up and you be kind to them. And because you're kind to them, they are more confident about themselves. And because they're more confident about themselves, they work harder that day. And because they work harder that day, the boss promotes them. And because the boss promotes them, they, they begin to say, my life is turning around. And they begin to get curious about God. And so they come to church. And when they come to church, they say yes to Jesus. When they say yes to Jesus, they bring Jesus to their family. All because of one decision to be kind could be the greatest form of evangelism you ever do. Just be kind to people. Don't make it hard. Don't make it complicated. Just go out and show the heart of Jesus. We, we need to boil down the message of Jesus to this, loving people. They will know we are disciples by his love. And decisions are like dominoes. And one decision of kindness, just like dominoes, could affect everything could affect your salvation. You don't know what you're doing by just having a smile on your face to somebody. That decision just to be kind could affect your eternity. That decision just to go up and be encouraging could change everything for them. It's not our job to see the salvation right away, but it is our job to see it. It is our job to be the hands and feet of Jesus. It is our job to, to show the heart of Jesus to people. The weekly challenge is this, is that every day this week, let's be intentional about portraying the character of Jesus. Let's just step out of our way and say, how can I portray Jesus today? You want, a fun, you want to know what a fun game is? Go to H-E-B Plus and say, God, who do I need to encourage? You don't necessarily have to buy them something, but just go up and just encourage and be genuine. And you'll be surprised what kind of seed you're planting. You'll be surprised that you might be the only Jesus they see all week. We need to be a church. Let Riverside be a church that is intentional about being the hands and feet of Jesus. That doesn't just say, hey, hey but we got to be intentional about it. Say, God, use me. I want to be a vessel. God, I want to be somebody who's encouraging. I want to be somebody who when they look at me, they don't see Caleb, they see Jesus. Let me be that person to others. And it's in that form of evangelism that will change the city, that will change the region, that will change everything. Not by us going out and trying to make them decide or try to force them to a choice, but just going out and showing the love of Jesus, the love of Jesus. Come on, with every head bowed and eyes closed, let's pray this morning. Father, right now we just want your Holy Spirit to drop upon us. God, give us the boldness, God. Give us the confidence, Father. There's so many hurting people around us, God, in need of you. There's so many lost people in need of you, Father. Let us be that light. Let us be that voice. Let us be that church that when they look at us, they see the kindness of God. They see the heart of God. They see genuine love and see us just caring for people and encouraging people. God, let us be that church. This world is tired 
of fakeness and plasticness, God. This world needs something real. This world needs you, God. This world, God, needs a real, genuine, kindness heart that is the church. So, Father, begin to store up our spirits. Right now, the Holy Spirit is beginning to drop some names on your heart who you're going to encourage this week. Who you're going to give a call and say, hey, how are you doing? Who you're going to shoot a text to and say, hey, I've been praying for you. I've been thinking about you. And I, I, I want to encourage you. Right, right, right now, God is bringing up some names in your spirit. So, Father, equip us, God, with the love, with the boldness, God, with the confidence to step outside these walls and to portray you, Jesus. And right now, if you're in this place and you need to say, Jesus, say yes to Jesus for yourself. Right now, in your own way, begin to say yes to Jesus. Begin to say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Jesus, I call you Lord of my life. Jesus, I believe that you rose again and you, and you are the Lord and Savior over my life. Begin to say yes to Jesus in your own way. And right now, before we leave, if there's any needs under the sound of my voice, if there's any emotional needs, physical needs, spiritual needs, financial needs, right now, Jesus, begin to meet those needs. Holy Spirit, begin to drop. Holy Spirit, begin to work. Holy Spirit, begin to encourage. Holy Spirit, begin to transform us from the inside out. That God, if there's a financial need in this place, God, we thank you that we're connected to the kingdom of God, to the kingdom economy. And so, Father, we thank you for a provision that comes from you. Father, we thank you, God, that if there's any healing that needs to take place, that right now by your spirit, you are healing people, you are helping people, God. God, let us, God, experience a moment with you in this place, Jesus. Come on, with every head bowed, with every hand lifted, begin to give Jesus an opportunity because right now you have a choice to either experience Jesus or not, to either be experience his presence or not. So, God, let us choose to soak in this moment and to say yes to you. God, let us choose to raise up our voices. Let us choose to begin to worship. Let us choose, God, to begin to worship the worries away. Begin to praise the problems away and say, Jesus, I need you, God. Jesus, I need you to make me the hands and feet of Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.